Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, we have a special guest, Jessica Mullen with Option Adoption. She talks about some of the do's and don'ts of mentioning adoption to an abortion-minded mother and shares her family's adoption testimony. This is a Skype interview and the sound quality may be slightly lacking, but we still think it'll be a blessing to you. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. We appreciate you guys who listen. We hope this podcast will be a blessing and encouragement to you guys. We have today with us Jessica Mullen. Say hey, Jessica. Hey there. It's good to have you, Jessica. Jessica is with Option Adoption. She started this ministry uh, some time ago. She'll share a little bit of her story in that. But the reason why I felt like we needed to have this podcast, and me and Vicki had talked about having this podcast, mm-hmm. is... We are getting a lot of questions. I mean, we always have, but now even more so, getting a lot of questions of people asking, don't you guys offer adoption at the abortion center? I would love to adopt a baby. Can you can you connect me with a mom at the abortion center that would want to let us adopt her baby? So we want to talk about some of those questions, and we thought Jessica would be the perfect person to answer some of those questions, talk about some of that, because she has a perspective of being involved in adoption and helping people place their children for adoption and helping people connect with moms who want to adopt, but also even has an adoption story in her past and with her family and, and it's an awesome story. And she's been on the sidewalk too. So right. She, she has the best there. of all the worlds yeah. that we're discussing. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so Jessica, that's why we wanted to bring you on. So if you could just to give the folks a little bit of context, understanding who you are, share, share who you are, what the ministry does and your story personally of, of, uh, your little girl Blythe and how the Lord orchestrated all of that. Okay, would love to. Well, let's see. My husband and I and our family really started with the sidewalk ministry. I would say it's been close to um, seven or eight years ago now. And we really didn't know a whole lot about sidewalk ministry. It was just kind of where the Lord planted us. And then once we had been on the sidewalk for about a year, Uh, we started to really ask more questions about how many women choose life and place for adoption versus going forward with an abortion. And the reason we were asking that question was because we had just gone through an adoption of our little girl, Blythe. And we didn't really know her whole story when we first adopted her, but as things started to unfold, um, her birth mother shared more and more about the situation while she was pregnant with life. And so that really lit a fire in us to be on the sidewalk even more. And then to ask those questions that I mentioned before, which was how many women really choose adoption over abortion? And what we started to find out was a really grim statistic, which was less than 2% of mm-hmm. women choose adoption over death. And that just broke my heart because, you know, for my husband and I, we were sitting here with this living example of what choosing life looks like, but not just that, but also the added layer of placing that child into an adoptive family. And so what we did was we went on a journey and we essentially asked the Lord to guide us to a ministry that was already in place here in the U.S., that was frontline ministry that helped people um, who were abortion determined or abortion minded see adoption as a choice. And I'll be honest, I searched high and low. I could not find anybody that was doing it frontline. Now, there were lots of adoption agencies and different uh, resources like that, but the frontline is really where our hearts are. And that's why Sidewalk Ministry is yeah. you know, I'm very passionate about it. So I was like, oh my goodness, Lord, are you calling us to start a ministry? Because I'll just be honest with you. My mindset about ministries are there are a lot of them. And I'm not so sure we need so many of them. So I was very hesitant that the Lord was calling us to that. Um, and we really took a long time to pray about it. We had just decided to start homeschooling our our son, who was our oldest, and we had just adopted Blythe not too um, long before that. So I was thinking, wow, this this is a big calling here, Lord, that you're asking us to do. But with support of those around us and, you know, Cities for Life being 
with them leading up to that. There was lots of support around kind of starting a branch of a ministry that would help with the adoption component. So that's kind of in a nutshell how my husband and I came to start Option Adoption. And what fuels our passion for that is the fact that we adopted our daughter and she was spared from abortion. So, um, Jessica, can you talk a little bit about what exactly Option Adoption does, just in a brief summary? Sure. So Option Adoption is a little different than other adoption ministries because of that one component that I was just mentioning, that frontline component. What we like to do is train frontline ministries like Sidewalk Ministries, like Cities for Life. Sometimes it's been with pregnancy resource centers. It's also been with lay people or church leaders. And what we like to do from an educational side is help people understand, one, what adoption is, so they can talk about adoption with women and men who are abortion-minded. The other side of the ministry is directly working with those abortion-minded men and women. And that has just been an amazing experience because I think what happens a lot of times is a woman who's abortion-minded may be very fearful of directly talking to an agency, an adoption agency. So option adoption is like a neutral ground for her. She's not feeling as if she has to go ahead and pull the trigger on adoption right away. We are a resource that can help her understand what adoption is, what her choices are, and how it's different than, let's say, foster care, because that's a big myth that, you know, it's the same as foster care. And so that's kind of our our two big things that we do. So one is educational for um, those that want to walk alongside of women and men that are abortion-minded, and the other side is directly working with a woman or, you know, a man that is abortion-determined. Okay, great. So you said that 2%, was that 2% women that actually consider adoption? Well, the the 2% um, is the number of women who actually choose life and then go forward with adoption. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So okay. very, and very low number. Mm-hmm. So it is a really low number, and that has definitely been our experience. In yeah. fact, I've been out there what six and a half years, something like that now, and I have never had a woman mm-hmm. choose adoption. And in fact, if I mention adoption, it's often a showstopper. They yeah. they no longer want to talk to me, just because that's something that you have faced. And can you address that? Why that happens? And maybe you said you train. Uh, people so that that doesn't happen. And it would it, it'd be yeah. great to hear some of the things that might guide us out there. Yeah, I'll, I'll just jump in here real quick before you answer that, Jessica. Sure. And just, you know, our experience is, again, like I, like I started talking in the intro, was that we get people always asking us as sidewalk counselors, don't you guys op- offer adoption? Yeah. And then even some people with the mentality that like, we need to stand out in front of the abortion clinic and just say, I'll adopt your baby. Give me your baby. Right. And there are people that I think, you know, with good intentions think that that's the best way to offer adoption in that context. Yeah. But uh, not always is adoption a, a, the first thing. I mean, very, very often it's not the first thing we need to say. Right. Uh, I'm in total agreement. Yeah. I totally agree with what you just said. I would, I would say uh, my experience lines up with exactly what both of you just mentioned from my years of being on the sidewalk, I, w- I will tell you that I don't think it's something that we should lead with. And, there, and there's a big reason. Obviously, a woman who's chosen to walk into an abortion clinic has many things going on at that time. And a lot of times, like Vicki, you said, it being a showstopper is because that's a very emotional topic. And many times, you know, you will hear from a woman who is anchored by someone saying that, you know, if, if I cannot raise this baby, nobody's going to raise this baby. And so that's why it's probably not the best thing to lead with. What I have found is after talking with someone about the reasons that brought them to the clinic situation is being able to go through some scriptures with them, with the gospel, a lot of times their heart is softened. And honestly, I, I depend totally on the Holy Spirit as to when I 
am to talk about adoption or not. There are many times that it does not come up at all for me when I'm with a woman on the sidewalk, but there are plenty of times that it does. And our ministry has had just amazing results with women placing for adoption. So, so would you I, say then it, it's good to at least build some kind of rapport with an abortion-minded mm-hmm. woman and build a relationship with her before you introduce the subject of adoption? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think if we if we were to turn it and think about what that woman may be feeling in that moment, you know, if, if that would be the very first thing we lead with, it's a it could be a big turnoff. I'm not saying that happens in every case, but I, I would say a majority of the cases, if we can build the rapport first and that that trust and build it as quickly as we can, then it's almost as if we have earned the um, ability to go into a much deeper subject that I'll just be honest, there is a lot of emotion surrounded around the subject of adoption. It's yeah, just yeah. as this is. And, and, you know, what I'll say about that is if we think of it, from a biblical standpoint and a spiritual standpoint, you know, God created the mother that's carrying that child to be that child's mother and the father of that child to be that child's father. And so adoption at its core is counter to what the Lord intended for the child. Okay. Now I say that, and those are listening, you know, some that are adoptive parents, they may be saying, why is she saying that? Well, because that is the truth. No, not, and and so when we're doing something counter to what it is that God intended, we know that there's going to be opposition to that, and especially in the spirit realm, right? So we have to we have to know what we're going into. So that's why I really caution um, those that are talking to someone who's abortion minded, not let adoption be the very first thing, but kind of kind of. Be- Build that rapport and that trust and then offer it as an option. It definitely needs to be offered. I mean, I, I am a, a big advocate of it being offered, even if even if right away you know that the woman has said, you know what, before I do that, I would parent. It still needs to be offered because what we found when we started the ministry was people are so uncomfortable around the subject of adoption that they sometimes don't even mention it. And so I'm a huge advocate of, you know, training people how to mention it and how to build that rapport first before we do. Jessica, can you can you give us some specifics about what situations or statements you hear from the abortion minded moms that mm-hmm. trigger you into feeling this is the time to mm-hmm. mention adoption? A lot of times, you know, well, as you both know, every situation is so, so different. And I'm I'm really trying to listen to the heart of that woman tell me that there's something that's going to keep her from being a parent, okay? Now, obviously, if they're in the situation that they're coming to an abortion clinic, they don't want to parent. That's just the truth. They don't want to parent. They're trying to end that process. And so once you know, I've built that rapport with her, and that trust, and I've broken down, and maybe she's telling me, you know what, like, for instance, uh, two weeks ago, I had a woman that was coming to an abortion clinic, stopped her in the parking lot before she went in, and she had lost her job due to the COVID-19 crisis. And so for her, I was able to find out that it was a financial reason, okay? So once Mm -hmm. I've isolated that reason, what I like to do is kind of talk to them in more depth about that and find out, you know, where they stand on seeing, can they see past today? A lot of times when someone's in a crisis mode like that, they just can't see past today. And, and then reminding them that the choice of abortion is forever, Whereas the circumstances can change with the help of, you know, our ministry or ministries like ours. And then if she still is saying, you know, I I just cannot parent, here's the reasons why, that's when I will usually go in with the option of adoption for her and kind of just see where she is about her knowledge of adoption. Every woman comes to the situation different. I have many women who have been in the foster care system. So they have the idea that adoption is foster care. And so we have to learn to dispel that myth. 
That is yeah, number yeah, one. The things I appreciate you mentioned, Jessica, and one of the things that I think you know us, uh, I, I would say white Christians especially don't really understand is that you know we we deal with a lot of African American young ladies at the abortion clinic, mm-hmm. and the statistics are a lot of those women have either been in the foster care system, or know people that have been, and when we say adoption, they hear foster care, mm-hmm. and so so talk a little bit about if you can how we how we dispel that that lie that's not they're they're not the same even though foster care is not a bad thing no one's saying that it is there's just some people that have some bad experiences have had some bad experiences in the foster care system mm-hmm. but how do we how do we and again I, I don't know if it's not just african american women but the statistics are that you know in the foster care system there's a lot of african american uh, right. ladies that grow up in that yeah. young men that grow up in that how do we dispel those myths and how do we separate those two things, foster care and adoption. These two are not the same in a way mm-hmm. that, that she can hear that. I think the the biggest thing that I do when I'm speaking to a woman and I find out that that's on her radar, it's like a red flag for her. She's saying foster care. The first thing that I do is make sure she understands the difference. And what I lead with is that adoption is making a plan for her baby before that baby's birth and that mother choosing a family for that child. So if you're able to put it like that to someone, I think it helps ease all those fears that like maybe if she was in the foster care system herself, we all know, unfortunately, many of the children that come through foster care do not remain with one family. And depending on the age that you start in foster care, you can uh, be bounced between eight to 10 families sometimes is the average if you're entering you know around zero to two years old so so that's really the main thing because remember obviously if we're talking about it from a sidewalk counselor perspective we may not have a whole lot of time so we've got to know we got to be armed and prepared for the information that is the number one thing i would say to always lead with because that kind of that helps ease those um anxious thoughts that they're having about adoption. And then I usually get more questions from them after that. Sometimes they still shut me down about adoption, but there are many times where they ask more questions because when a woman feels like she has the power to choose the family for her child and uh, she's part of that and it can be done while she's still pregnant, you know, that's very freeing for her. And she doesn't feel as if um, a child's going to be taken from her and then placed into a system that she might not be part of. Along those same lines, I've, I've talked with the very few times I have brought adoption up at, at all. It is often perceived as only closed adoption. And I really knew very little about open versus closed adoption until I met you, frankly. So okay. could you talk about that? Because I think that's helpful, too. I know that when I have spoken about adoption, when I've described an open adoption, the women do seem more open to the idea. Yes, I find the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I always love for everybody to know as much as they can before counseling with, you know, women in, in these situations. And so the best way for us to break it down is that there are three types of adoptions. There is full open, and then there's semi-closed and closed. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'll break that down. So the open is exactly what it, what it sounds like. So the, the mother and possibly the birth father as well um, have an open relationship with that child as that child is growing up. Now, the adoptive family, along with the birth mother and possibly the birth father, parameters around that and how much openness there is and in, in, in their comfort levels. Um, and that's all done as part of that adoption plan that I was talking about. Um, and I'll give you an example of that to help your listeners. Um, so in our case, um, we have it set up with Blake's birth mother that once a year, sometime around her birthday, that her birth mother and the grandparents and even aunts and uncles can come and visit. We usually spend an entire day with them. And that way, you know, they are able to see her as she's growing up. Um, We have such a good relationship with her birth family that I do send um, pictures throughout the year and 
just text to let them know, you know, how she's growing. So um, that's the kind of openness that we have. And there's there's different levels of openness. Um, but that's just one one example. Uh, semi closed would mean during the pregnancy, the the mother carrying the baby would get to know the family that's going to adopt the baby, but she would have no identifying information about that family. So she wouldn't know their last names, their address, where they work, anything like that. There's a relationship and a rapport that's being built during the pregnancy, but it's not going to extend after the child is born. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one is closed. And that would mean that there is no relationship while the pregnancy is going on and none after. So no identifying information is going to be traded between the birth mother and the adoptive family. Um, so just the adoption agencies or an adoption lawyer would have those those records sealed. So hopefully that kind of breaks it down. And, and honestly, 95% of all adoptions today are open adoptions mm. because yeah. uh, years ago, what they found through research was that children who were hidden, um, I should say not hidden, the information was hidden from them about their adoption stories or their birth parents really did not adjust as well. It's not that they didn't love the families that they'd been placed into, but remember what I said at the beginning of this podcast is that we're doing something counter to what God intended. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, So inside of each of us as a human being, there is a loaning to want to know who our parents are. I mean, you can't take that from a human. It's just a natural thing within us. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. what they were finding was that a lot of um, those that were adopted just were not able to handle some situations in life as well. So they shifted. I really don't know how many years ago. I would say, goodness, I mean, life's almost 10. I'd say it's been at least 15 or 20 years that that open adoption has really been the standard of adoptions in America. Yeah. yeah. Have go ahead, Daniel. Yeah, so I was gonna just touch on a little bit of what I had spoken about just just previously before this this question, this subject where I introduced the the racial component here. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this is a big thing to to focus on, but I think people do need to understand because at least where we're at here in Charlotte, it's it's probably 75-80% of the women that we see at the abortion clinics are African American. Right. In in your mind, Mm-hmm. Is there a racial component to adoption? Are there is there a stigma within certain communities that's associated with adoption? And how do we get past that if if you know mm-hmm. if we can? Yeah. And are you saying a stigma associated as of yeah. white family adopting a black child yeah, specifically? Thing, just adoption in general. Okay. I mean, at least my I'll just you know, full disclosure, my experience has been within the African American community. Like adoption is is a non-starter in a lot of conversations. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. there's like this stigma that's attached to it. And I think it has to do with that conflation of foster care and adoption together. But there could be some other things. Right. Am, I, am I wrong in my perception, Jessica? No. Yeah. No, actually, I think you, you're right in your perception of that. And I've spent, you know, the last several years that I've been working with option adoption on, on these projects that we've been doing, trying to figure that out. And I feel like the Lord has given me some insight into that. And I'm sure there's a lot more I need to learn. But what I find is that if we're going to break it down into you know different community groups, what I find is in the Caucasian community group, adoption is thought of as an option. Like it, it is something that definitely is on the forefront of someone's mind if they find themselves in a crisis pregnancy. With the African-American community, what I've experienced, and I've interviewed a lot of my friends about this, it is not something that's on the forefront of their minds. And Daniel, you hit on it a little bit about the foster care system. And by no means am I saying that there's, you know, just because they're African-American, you know, they've gone to the foster care system. But what what I have found and interviewing is the stigmas that come with adoption are there mainly because of that foster care component and because of culture component, which would mean the African-American community is a very tight-knit community. It's a very beautiful thing. Their families usually are very tight-knit. 
And what I have found is that community group, along with the Hispanic community group, because both of them have very tight-knit family groups, they look to find family members, first and foremost, if they're in a crisis situation in a pregnancy like this, to help uh, raise that child. And a lot of times what I have heard from my friends if, is if that's not an option, that's when abortion is the next option. Okay. Yeah. And then obviously adoption's not truly on the radar as much. This is what I found across the board. So um, in those community groups that, like I said, have the tight knit families. And I do think, especially for the African-American community group, this is tied back to much more than I ever understood until I had someone sit down with me and explain it. It even goes as far back as into the roots of slavery. And, you know, that, that's a whole nother, you know, subject. But the way it was explained to me was that plays into their idea of what you said, Daniel, of a white family possibly adopting a child, you know, that is African-American. Yeah, yeah. yeah because, I know one of the things is I talk to people and, you know, as we train our sidewalk counselors and we, you know, of course, we want to mention adoption when it's appropriate. But sometimes, you know, we tell our folks that's not something we need to be mentioning right away. And, and mm-hmm. some folks, you know, most of our sidewalk counselors are, are white women. And uh, we do have, praise God, some African-American young ladies that come and volunteer. But, you know, I, I tell our sidewalk counselors, you have to understand from their perspective, again, when you have 80 percent uh, of the women going in are African-Americans. So that's who you're talking to when you're saying, hey, I'll adopt your baby. I'll take your baby. That might sound really gracious and kind from your ears, you know, you hearing that. What they're hearing is, hey, young black lady, you can't take care of your child. Let a, let a rich white person take care of your child. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's sometimes that's what they're hearing. Yeah. And we need to understand that. Yeah. That don't sound good to the ears. Yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, so often I, I hear, I think you said it before, but that they would rather have the baby die than place that child for adoption. That's so frequently the response And so as you're answering this question, I would love to hear how you would respond to that, because we do hear that all the time. Yeah, and of course, that's, you know, not just black women, white women going to the the abortion, everybody coming in. That's the response that you hear. That's right. Yeah. I'd rather have the abortion than give my my baby to somebody else. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, you know, (laughs) for any sidewalk counselors listening at I know they've had that experience, I'm sure, like all of us have. I would say, you know, what I usually say after that is I'm trying to get that woman into a mindset that she's seeing what she's getting ready to do, number one, as murder. I'll just be honest. Like, I, I need her to see in that moment that she is getting ready to serve her child the death penalty. And so... If she says what you said, Vicki, right after, you know, we've mentioned, you know, this option of adopting her, you know, helping that person really understand, obviously we're doing it in truth, we're doing it in love, but helping her to understand that what she's getting ready to do is selfish, it's sinful, and it is murder in the eyes of God. And there are many times I've seen women who, because no one would tell them in love, that kind of truth, I've seen them stop in their tracks and really think about what I just said to them. Because it's shocking when you hear that come out of out of someone's mouth that what they're getting ready to do. So helping them understand that you would rather put that innocent baby boy or girl to death than give that child a chance at life with a family who's willing to step in and say, we will take this child as our own and love this child as our own. Um, that may not be the message they want to hear in that moment, but we also understand as I walk counselors and frontline ministry that this is the last ditch effort before a child is put to death. Yeah. So, yeah. Would you say, Jessica, because one of the things in my mind that I'm thinking is, okay, a woman going into an abortion clinic, she's about to do in her mindset, and I'm not trying to you know, broad brush every woman going into an abortion clinic. I'm not just trying to say that I'm better than they are or anything like that. But the reality is a woman going into an abortion clinic is doing one of the most selfish things that a woman could do to kill her baby through abortion. That's right. And we, we know and we understand that. And so when we're talking about adoption, we're really talking, we're trying to get her to go from zero to a thousand in like 15 seconds 
because adoption is one of the most selfless things that she can mm-hmm. do to place her child, to carry her child for nine months and place it with another family. Would you say that that's part of the component you're asking them to come from one of the most selfish mindsets to one of the most selfless mindsets? And it's a real hard sell in that moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's exactly what we're asking them to do. And it is a very, very difficult thing to do because we all know that by the time a woman has entered into driving her car and getting up that morning, going to that abortion clinic, something in her mind has told her that's what she wants to do and needs to do. So I will tell you the times that it has has been a message that has been taken by a woman has been amazing to see. But as you guys know, that message is not always something that is heard and it doesn't penetrate the heart. But going from selfish to selfless, because like you said, Daniel, um, placing a child into another family and knowing that you are not going to be there for all the firsts in life and all the milestones possibly and all these things is a very selfless thing to do. It means that you are loving that child more than you love yourself. And, you know, I, I've seen that played out with our daughter's birth mother. And, you know, the choice of adoption does not come without wounds. We are, thank- we are so, yeah, we're so thankful that these women choose life, but we, we, we have to be sensitive to the fact that even with this choice, there are wounds. And so I think, Dan, you were, you were dead on when, when you said, you know, going from selfish to selfless. That's a great way to put yeah. it. We appreciate you bringing it up because in our, you know, in our Christian culture, in our American Christian culture, and rightly so, you know, adoption we see it as a, as a good and a, and a godly thing. And we might be, because of that, because, you know, we look in the scripture and we see, hey, we're adopted by God. And so adoption is, I mean, it's a wonderful thing, and it is. But we shouldn't be blind to the fact that even with adoption, there are some wounds. There's some, it's not just, oh, place your baby with the family and then that's the end of it. Obviously, there there's mm-hmm. stuff that goes on with all of that, which okay. is why I think it's important to have a ministry like yours that is, you know, not just, you know, not just placing families and or placing connecting mothers with families that, that want to adopt children, but even just helping out with some of the language that we use and helping out with some of the sensitivities we need to have, obviously in light of the gospel and light of God's word. If you could, because you've taught me some things over the years in talking about adoption and in just the verbiage that we use, right? So we've talked through this podcast so far, we've talked about you know, placing your baby with adoption, but that's not always how Christians talk, even in front of an abortion clinic about adoption, right? They, they use things like, you know, we'll take your baby, give your baby up for adoption. Are those words important? The words that we use when we're talking about adoption in that context important? They are so important. Um, you know, the average person means no harm by what they're saying, uh, but I will tell you, if you're dealing with a woman who is abortion-minded, every word that you say is important because a lot of times we're dealing with a very short period of time when we are counseling with them. I will give you the biggest verbiage that is probably used or most widely used that is incorrect and people don't mean anything by it, but it is, whew, it's something we really need to change. When someone says, put put your baby up for adoption, yeah, I, I cringe. I absolutely cringe as an adoptive mom. You know how I help people to understand not never to say that is I say, you know, you put groceries up on the shelf. Mm-hmm. You do not put a child up for adoption. Mm-hmm. We are talking about a soul here. We are talking about a living human being. And so and I'm probably extra sensitive because I've got this child who, you know, our family's always just celebrated adoption. But I always wanted to be careful that she felt and always knew that God had a plan for her life and she's exactly where she needs to be. I never wanted her to feel less than. Does that make sense? I, I wanted I wanted her to know that this is exactly the plan that God had for her life. I would say like even using the word unwanted pregnancy, I know it's it's a simple thing and a lot of us I probably have used it too. Maybe saying unplanned pregnancy is, is probably a better verbiage in that case. Because when you grows up hearing unwanted pregnancy uh that's a 
that's a hard thing sometimes for our minds to comprehend what they may feel like they felt like they were unwanted. I will tell you, you know, and both of you know our adoption story. Life, she was so, so wanted. I mean, our family prayed for her. We didn't know who she was going to be. Her pregnancy, you know, with her birth mom was unplanned, but she was so wanted. And these children that are, you know, unfortunately, their mothers are taking them into abortion clinics. There are there are thousands, and actually, I think it's 1.2 million couples in America right now are waiting for an adopted child. So right. they are they are very wanted. So um, let me ask you, Jessica, you you said don't say put a child up for adoption, but I'm not sure. I might have missed it. But what do we say? What are the better things to say? Sure. Okay. So what I really like to say is place a child into an adoptive family, because mm-hmm. when you think about how like just changes your whole feeling doesn't it when you hear that like place a child compared to put up for adoption when I I I just so vividly remember the moment that our little girl was literally placed into my arms for the first time right and it's such a more of a loving gentle approach and remember our words are so important around the subject because this is a highly emotional subject for um, moms that are abortion minded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even placed in the arms of another loving family is mm-hmm. it's maybe a way to describe it. Yeah. Or, or placed into an adoptive family is usually, you know, how I, I say that as things, well. You know, we actually just did a podcast last week about words and how words matter and the words that we use in front of the abortion center yeah. and, and how we, you know, even the word like abortion center versus abortion meal or abortion clinic and all of those words. So words do matter. And also, we need to understand with the words that we use, they they do carry weight, and they can convey a picture, and also words can empower. So when we're talking about placing your child, we're mm-hmm. talking about, we're almost empowering choice. You know, people talk about being yeah. pro-choice. As opposed to giving up your child, you are right. placing Rather your, your child. Rather than being taken out of right. your arms, exactly. you're choosing and placing. Because, yeah. you know, the real pro-choice people are the people who are for life, right? We're, yeah. we're, we're yeah. about choice. Yeah. The abortion industry, Planned Parenthood, pro-abortion people, it's all about abortion, right? There's no choices that are available. But if you look at, and I've even said it before, listen, the pro-choice, really, people are out here on the sidewalk because we're offering you real choices. You can parent your baby. You can place your child for adoption. You can, within adoption, there's those three choices you broke down, an open adoption, a semi-open adoption, and a closed adoption. So there's even more choices within that realm. And so it's just awesome to be able to, in my mind, the words I hear you saying are words that empower these mothers to to choose. That's right. And let me ask you, sometimes we empower them to the point, this I have seen, and I wonder if you have seen it, where maybe adoption is mentioned because they've painted such a bleak picture to me and and said they really cannot have this child. Mm -hmm. And they have been so convicted in the same ways that you mentioned through the conviction of the terrible sin of what they're about to do and through empowering statements. And they choose then to parent rather than to place their child in the arms of another loving adoptive family. Have you seen that? Does that Uh, happen with you or? Okay. So are you mainly just asking if like if a woman has been presented with the adoption option and then she kind of walks down that path for a while and then she chooses to parent? Is that what you're asking? Have I seen that? Sometimes walking down that path for a while, we did just have someone we interviewed, someone by the name of Ebony that we did a podcast who was going to place her children, her child for adoption. And then she, she just came through, through the gospel and through falling in love with the baby she was carrying. She decided to parent the child instead, but sometimes immediately they'll, they'll be saying, I'm going to kill this baby. Then they'll be saying, Oh, they'll hear about adoption, but then they'll be so convicted by, by what we're saying the truth of the gospel, whatever they, and their hearts will go then to parenting. And I honestly, I've seen that more in my experience, that's what I see. They'll go from abortion to parenting more readily than from abortion to adoption. So I guess I'm asking, are you yes. seeing something different or is, is that what you um, see? I see the same thing that you're seeing, but I probably obviously uh, see the other component of going into adoption because 
now our ministry is nationwide, so I get calls from all over. But yes, I actually worked with Ebony. And oh. yeah, it was, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that was, an, that was an amazing, amazing situation. And she came yeah, through that yeah. wonderfully. And that's a great example of, I would say, majority of the time, what we do see is someone who's in that crisis mode, not seeing a way out, feeling like they can't parent. I'm going to go forward with this abortion. That, and I talked extensively with her about adoption. And that was when I saw the softening occur. And I felt in my heart that she was going to probably end up parenting that child. But I knew that the Holy Spirit was telling me to give her that option of adoption. It was the right timing. And through that, I think after we sifted through that, you know, many, many times, she was able to see herself in a position where she could parent that child. And that's what I see too, Vicki. But because I do deal with a lot of situations where people across the nation will call when, when a woman has probably either tried to go to an abortion clinic already, has an appointment scheduled fairly soon, or they're in a situation where they're, they're calling on behalf of their daughter or granddaughter, I would say I'm in a unique situation because I'm able to talk directly to them about adoption from the get-go because they know who they're calling. But if I was on a sidewalk situation, what you just said is much more likely to occur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I hope for people listening, we hadn't, you know, we haven't tried to paint like this bleak picture that adoption stories never happen, and that you know, obviously, don't want to discourage anyone from offering adoption. I just think it helps people to understand an appropriate time. And that adoption, even though it's this wonderful thing, is not always appropriate to share about. Are there any stories that you have, just so we can encourage people who are listening, of moms who've decided to place their children? Obviously, you, you guys' story too, but you've mm-hmm. walked with mothers, you've walked with you know, parents that want to adopt. Are there stories that you can share that can encourage people that adoptions actually do take place in this, in this realm of ministry? Yeah, we well, I'll I'll give you a personal um, example of that. So I would say, oh my goodness, probably one of the first few years I was doing sidewalk ministry, I was out in front of the abortion clinic. I was on the sound system on the microphone, and I saw a young woman going into the clinic, and you know, just started really giving the gospel over that sound system. She was inside for maybe two or three minutes. And when she came out, I just expected her to go straight to her car, maybe get something out of her car, put something in. I'm not sure. And do you know, she walked straight over to me on that microphone, which is a pretty long walk. I mean, it's not a short walk. You know, they've got, yeah. some, time, they got some time to change their mind whether they want to talk to you or not. Sure. And sure. we talked for a few minutes. She said, I heard what you were saying on the microphone. And I remember I was I was saying I was giving the gospel, but I was also talking about the different options. And so and what's associated with each of those options. And she said, I heard what you're saying. I want to know more about, you know, what you can offer. And I felt very led to then talk to her about adoption because she wanted to know what the options were that uh, she was five weeks pregnant. So very, very early. I walked with her throughout her entire pregnancy. She ended up placing that child for adoption. And that was due to that 10 minutes on the sidewalk. She had really, you know, heard what adoption was, didn't understand what her options were, but knew that she could not parent. So I think that's a a great example of kind of getting that trust of the woman seeing where their thought processes are and then giving them the true options that honor God. There's only two, yeah, you know, yeah. I, yeah, I, I disagree with ministries that give a woman three options. That makes me very, very yeah, upset. Yeah, you know, when, they op- when they offer them abortion right. as an option, adoption yeah. and parenting. That's right. Yeah. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. I really disagree with that. So when I'm, when I'm counseling with a woman on the sidewalk or in the RV, I make it very clear that there are only two options. That right. honor God. And I always tell them that, that honor God. And, and, and I never talk about abortion from that point forward. I always let them know that it's either parenting or adoption. That may be uh, some of the reason why I find that w- the women I've worked with have gone on to adopt more 
is one, I think the Lord gave that testimony to our family. And then secondly is when you start talking like that, that there's only two options, it, it you know, it takes that other option off the table. Because what I'm really yeah. see the Lord doing is obviously, you know, you guys know, and I know the Lord's heart was for that mother to mother that child. Okay. okay. And so that's the first option that we want to always talk to them about. But the other option, if it's just not feasible for her to parent, the only other option in my eyes, and I think in the Lord's eyes, is adoption. So um, never mentioning abortion from that point forward, other than to tell them, if you go forward with this, you know, this is what you can expect. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, never validating. I mean, in reality. Is abortion an option for them? Surely they can go in there, they can kill their child, but we don't validate that as an option. Just like, right. you know, a mother of a three-year-old, is it an option for her to take that three-year-old child and throw that child off a bridge? She could choose to do that, but there's going to be consequences, and we would never validate that as an option. And that's what people, you know, I, I understand some well-meaning people within pregnancy centers and whatever want to seem neutral, but we have to understand that there is no neutral ground when we're dealing with right. killing children in the womb. Right. Like we've got to take right. a stand and we've got to yeah. speak what God's word says. And when we do that, God honors that like you're, like you're talking about. I mean, I've actually seen Jessica cause you volunteered here on the sidewalks with us in Charlotte for years. And I've seen you and I've seen little Blythe, your, your daughter who you guys adopted. And I've seen you share her story with abortion minded women on the sidewalk or even car side. And I've seen God, just use her, you know, mm-hmm. not not using her as a pawn or anything like that, but no, just using no. her testimony, her sweet little face yeah. to soften hearts. I've yeah, I, I will tell you one story because I know we, we got to wrap up, but, but Jessica, the story I remember about you and Blythe was being on the sidewalk and a one of the pro, so-called pro-choice people with his sign came over to really protest what you were doing. You were talking car side with someone, I think. And you finished with that woman and turned to him with that sweet Blythe next to you and told him Blythe's story. And that man, this is the only time I have ever seen this happen. He took his sign. He, he didn't say a word. His eyes teared up. He took his sign. He put the sign in the car and drove away. And I never saw him again. Yeah, I remember that day. I remember... Yeah. And I will tell you guys, when, you know, she has been with me on the sidewalks, her testimony is so powerful. I feel like God does use those that have been spared from such an atrocity as abortion to speak louder than, (laughs) than we could ever dream of speaking sometimes. I have seen that when we've been able to stop people car side before they enter into the parking lot of the abortion clinic. That that is such a powerful testimony of being able to see a child that was spared from a murder in a building, just like the one that they're getting ready to enter into. Right. There's there's right. a breaking that happens. I've seen some of the biggest men in the world, the toughest men, literally break down when Blythe has shown them the fetal models and told them part of her testimony with me there with her, of course. Yeah. I, and it's unbelievable how, how God can reach someone by a child who's been spared from that when they get, when they catch the glimpse of what their child will be in just a few years. Yeah. I remember you saying to him, can you look at this face? And we're all looking at precious Blythe's face. And you said, can you look at this face and tell her she should never have lived? Right. And, it's, yeah. and that really is a question I mm-hmm. I ask the quote unquote pro-choicers a lot, as well as the ones that are coming to the clinic to abort their children, because I've never had one person take me up on that. Right. And I've and I've come up against probably some of the toughest, most wicked pro-choice protesters, whatever you want to call them, in the world, and they cannot do it. You just can't. And everybody inherently knows that every little boy and girl deserves life. And Mm -hmm. so so I just feel like God is moving and we are so thankful for what you guys are doing at Cities for Life and training others. Hopefully those that are listening to this podcast will have a fire lit in them to get out on the sidewalks across this nation and really be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we, you know, anytime you're telling your neighbor 
that what they're getting ready to do is sin. And in this case, it's murder. And mm-hmm. you're doing that in love. That is that is the deepest love that you can give for someone is that they not go down you know that path of destruction. Yeah. So. Amen. Well said, Jessica. If folks that are listening to this podcast want to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? What's the best way to connect with, with you and with Option Adoption? Sure. Well, we have a website. It's option-adoption.com. And then we're on Facebook as well. And you can find us um, with under Option Adoption. And you can message us if, if there's, you know, any type of questions that they have. We work mainly, again, with the abortion-minded men and women. And we get a lot of questions from families if we have, you know, children that uh, need to be placed into adoptive families. That's not a component of our ministry. But we can direct them to wonderful Christian adoption agencies and Christian adoption lawyers to kind of help them on that journey if that's the route that God's calling their family to. Yeah, well, that's good. I appreciate that. So, yeah, guys, connect with Jessica, option-adoption.com. But, yeah, Jessica, we appreciate your time, appreciate you sharing your testimony, appreciate your heart. I know that just having you as a part of our ministry, as you were here in Charlotte, is just such a blessing. It's mm-hmm. a blessing seeing what you guys are doing and just hearing uh, what, what God is doing through you guys. And just want to encourage those who are listening to go to our website because Jessica talked a little bit about sidewalk counseling and nationally. And so we started the sidewalks for life website, sidewalks, the number four life.com. And people can go there and get equipped to do sidewalk counseling, get trained up to be a sidewalk counselor in your area. And we hope that's a blessing. You hope this podcast was a blessing to you guys. Please share it. And until next time, God bless. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude I know it will cost me my life But nothing's too precious since I met you